All right, welcome back to another episode of the USL show. It feels like it's been about a month since last week for some reason. I don't know why this time has been going by so slowly, but it is great to be back. Let me tell you, it has been a wild and wacky week in USL soccer. We thought that New Orleans coming to the USL was going to be the big news. Wait until you hear about Kyler, the sub Tate hitting your hitting your feed last night as the only sub, the official 12th man of the Colorado switchbacks. Oh, and don't forget about the USLW League final. That's going to be happening this Sunday after a really exciting week. That was the W League. Oh, and League Two brackets are out now, which is basically March Madness. This is about to be a crazy, crazy like week and month of uh, footy, and I could not be more excited. But the only thing I'm more excited about than that is to see my three or two beautiful co-hosts with me. Guys, doing all right? Ryan, what's going on, man? Doing okay. It seems like... Uh... Every single day here, we have some variation of rain here in this typical North Carolina weather, and uh, it's just made for very interesting uh, weather here. Don't doubt that. Alan, how are you? Good. Uh, Just got back from some union business up in Burlingame, San Francisco area. I got back in Sunday just in time to uh, watch San Diego versus the 12 men Colorado Springs on Monday. Man, what a what a match that was. I mean, for what it was, it was relatively competitive. I mean, for what it was, I there's a lot of conversation. We'll get into that in a minute. Um I just wanted to share um if you considered if it was on your bucket list to get stung on the back of the head by a wasp, don't it's not worth it. That happened to me like three hours ago, and I hated it. So just take it off the bucket list. Just act like I was never a part of it. So just go ahead and take that one off. Um, it scared me more than anything. Like, it hurt, but it just kind of scared me because all I did was open the door, and then suddenly I felt like I just got, like, shot with something, stabbed in the back of the head, which was freaks you out a little bit, I suppose. But... I mean, there was some big news that happened last week, and that was (laughs) after Santa Barbara decided to come out of nowhere, come out of left field, and come out with the only female crest ever. Uh Um, I mean, talk about immediately putting your foot in the mouth, huh? (laughs) It was impressive. It was impressive. But... Like, day or two later, we get New Orleans, the one that we were all expecting, even though one knocks did a brilliant troll job. What's uh, what's some thoughts on New Orleans, y'all? That wherever Alan travels to, he can birth a USL club in any vacation destination. Yeah, so if your city is looking to get a USL club, uh, you can just uh, send pay me to send you to your city, and uh, not very much longer, Warren will uh, show up and launch a new franchise uh, yet again. I think he's trying to make, was it three? This is his third, yeah. Yeah, so, but I mean, who else better to call on than a guy who's launched uh, two pretty successful USL clubs, or at least the launches were pretty successful. Uh, So 
you're getting a guy who knows what he's doing and is going to be well loved by the community. I mean, this is already a team that's going out for the community. I mean, they are the first club to join our USL show Discord, so hashtag ad, but also that's wild. I checked my phone or I checked the computer today and I was like, I was like, oh, USL Nola has joined the channel. And I'm like, why would they do that? <laughs> Thanks, guys. It just really um, also- it helps with having just more teams in that just kind of part of the country for USO and New Orleans is a major market that has certainly been without a professional level uh, football club there for a while. But you already have at least ready-made opponents within Houston, within Birmingham, within Memphis, just up the Mississippi River, St. Louis a bit further up. So it's a really just great area to place a team. No doubt. Um, on top of that, we go on over and on Sunday, I do believe it was Sunday, we got our W League matchups where Aurora kind of squeaks by McLean and gets a 1-0 win, a really tense 1-0 win at that. And Tormenta goes on and continues their tormenting of Greenville and beats Greenville Liberty 4-1, which we didn't even talk about Greenville Triumph blowing a 4-0 lead and a 5-4 lead. That happened. And then the the ladies down in Tormenta W League team just decided to just continue the pain up in the upstate. Yeah, we almost got the, the W League final I would have liked. Uh, truth. Truth or consequences, uh, that would actually be a pretty easy trip because that's where my uncle lives, um, ironically enough. Uh, but yeah, we almost got the Greenville uh, Aurora matchup of the two gorgeous crests, but you can't go wrong with that bird either uh, tor- with Tormenta. Um, and a sold-out final ahead, too. Within, like, 24 hours... That's set, uh, what is it? Uh, sixty-four hundred people that fit into that arena. I'm guessing they're going to create some more room. If I was a betting man, would be getting close to sixty-five hundred or more. That's incredible. That's more than several championship teams have done this year. On top of that, I mean, Vermont Green would decide to go full Mingo with Turbo getting his first start and actually playing really, really well and having tons of fans there we're seeing a lot of growth coming out of these clubs right now and it's it's a really fun stories to follow along especially if you decide to go into those league two and w league storylines they're incredible i'm trying to find the uh, graphic now to at least uh, confirm like where uh those teams fell compared to uh usl championship in league one teams it was from uh, mike pendleton of course i'm trying to yeah as always like minnesota aurora for this week's match was uh like above the likes of san antonio memphis oakland roots um vermont green you would place them above charleston uh fuego and loudon as well that's real deal man that is real deal and then the gift that keeps on giving that is the usl Yesterday, Kyler the Sub Tate comes out and announces himself to the world. Um, and there's a conversation I want to have with this, but Alan, 
you were in attendance to witness the birth of a legend. Um, do you feel blessed? I did. Uh, when he took his his practice kit off, I was like, "He's coming in! He's coming in! He's coming in!" And the press box was like, "What are you? What are you talking? What like? It's like this is his first minutes. He's been on the bench, and he's finally getting a chance to play." Um, you could tell that some of the. I also made the joke that there were some Colorado Springs players, like four or five of them, lined up on the sideline when they were going to do that sub. And I think I was like, "Were they all like pitching in? Like me? Can it be me? Can it be me? Can it be me?" Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was weird. Like when they passed out the uh, the rosters, like the rest of the roster had X marks. So I thought, well, maybe they're bringing some academy kids. They don't really have, they didn't have it all filled out by the time they needed to submit it, submit it or something. But it was literally just like X's. Be low. I'm like, and then we started counting players during warm up. We're like, nope, there are twelve people. So. That's something I want to talk about actually immediately is this academy conversation. And unless something has been hidden through the website, through searching uh, switchbacks to whatever, their squad was filled out of mostly Rapids 2 players that got kind of loaned over, um, which everything says switchbacks do not have an academy, or at least not one that produces people who can play. Maybe they might have like a U9 academy that's not listed somewhere, but they don't have a true academy. Just that in and of itself seems like it's a bit of a problem to me. But for you guys, as we're adding in more teams, we're looking to expand more and more we are officially into soccer wars 3.0 or 4.0 or 17.0, wherever we are at this point, should it be a requirement by the USL from league one up to have academies or just championship or neither? I mean, I think we've seen across us soccer, they've been incredibly lax with how teams have wanted to run their academy systems. I mean, even for a while when uh, USL clubs, we're getting MLS two sides joining the league. There used to be a requirement that every MLS side had to either partner with someone or had to have an MLS two team in the league, unless they didn't feel like it, even though it was technically a rule. And then it's, I mean, you're starting to see more teams take a more focus on a uh, kind of youth Academy approach, but I think especially at this level, you still, being that kind of main team of your market, there shouldn't be any excuse not to at least want to invest within your local community to try and form some type of academy or at least some type of B team that you can play within League Two or even just within local leagues. Yeah, you can also look at some like partnership ideas as well. I know San Diego's uh, Loyal Select Academy is basically like a part-time academy where they uh, basically pull like the top echelon of a lot of the established uh, youth clubs in San Diego and give some of those players an opportunity to train with uh, a professional team. So even if there isn't a need, a want to develop an academy, like why not tap into things that are already in existence and give some of those players um, a part, even a part-time experience. And th- some of those guys have played and or made the uh, roster, the 18 roster for loyal when they needed some extra bodies uh, in, in kind of a similar situation to what Colorado's going through. Um, not always to the biggest success because uh, they are academy kids that are developing. Uh, 
but there, I think there are creative ways to invest in development of soccer without having to start your own academy to get it off the ground. And I'm, I'm hoping this is a little bit of a wake up call uh, for USO clubs to, if not invest in your own academy, figure out some way to solidify a pipeline to their first club, first team club. So I like the way that Birmingham has done theirs. We've we're officially in the A League now, but we've had an academy for official academy for I think two, three years now. And we've had an affiliation with local clubs. This year we've officially solidified an affiliation with the Birmingham United Soccer Academy, BUSA for short. Um, which also houses a women's team. So I don't know what that means, but they were included in the announcement. Um, but there's a BUSA team. So they have the basically U5 all the way up. And then they also have the Legion Academy on top of that. So it's a, basically a two-tiered academy system where they have kids that can play under, you know, maybe get a Legion D because they have a D league, the development league. So they can have Legion on the side of their shirt. It's really cool. They get to wear the crest a little bit. And as they get older and older, maybe they can work their way into the proper academy. And then they can work their way into the professional team. And we've signed several professional contracts out of our academy. And, it's as simple as we're going to affiliate, we're going to drop some money into your leagues and your teams can wear our crest. It's fun. Kids feel like professionals for a little bit. We'll send our players out like once every two weeks. They can work with, I don't know, We you can work with Coach Caldwell with the switchbacks. He can teach you how to goalkeeper and or you can work with Coach Aji Berry for like once a month and after that, it's like kids get hooked on that. They That's stuff that they will remember forever. And at the very least, you create soccer fans for life, which is what we're doing here, right? I mean, Academy doesn't just get you players for situations where you all you have is a 12th man. It also builds community, right? I mean, overall, I think not only does it need to have, like for these teams to have an Academy to basically – be a second tier league in the United States and to only show up with 12 players just almost screams unprofessional for what this league is trying to do. I get there's been some shorthanded situations with COVID and other things this year and Colorado Springs hasn't done themselves any favors with the second time this month, they've had a Friday, Monday scheduling quirk. They've played seven games. They're going to play seven games in the month of July, but like, it just it screams that it was not like there was no preparation. There was just no professionalism behind showing up with 12 players. It's kind of like the same amount of like preparation behind showing up for like rec league soccer. It's like, oh, we don't have enough. I mean, they had two red cards in that last game. Imagine if there was an injury to it and they couldn't like physically fill out the roster. At some point, they could have gotten down to playing with seven or eight players. And then by then, it's just it's no longer seems fair, fun or just professional i mean they could have forfeited a match received the same result of a 3-0 loss and save themselves the embarrassment save the league the embarrassment like so i somehow trying to show up and compete with only 12 men 
is more embarrassing to the league than just saying we can't fill out even a 13 or a 14 or a 15. This is better for all, all parties here. We're sorry. You know, because stuff happens. It does happen. I mean, they went out there with what they had, what they were able to sign. And honestly, a little bit of it, too. I know there was a lot of backlash. I feel like a lot of this came from their preemptive post of saying, hey, Switchbacks fans, we're sorry. This is about to be rough. And then everybody was just waiting, basically refreshing. All the people in USL world were just refreshing, waiting to see what they come out with, expecting to see a bunch of players who are U15 or something like that. And somehow coming out with 12 players is worse than any of us could have imagined that they were going to come out with. I'm shocked there's not like rules or like a sanction on you have to have a minimum number of players on a bench to compete in a game this wouldn't i i would say this wouldn't fly at mls it wouldn't fly at any league within europe um and just overall you're looking at this as a team who's second in the western conference right now is one of the better sides of the league i mean when we were talking preseason is this a team who could potentially be playing for usl cup and this is how they display one of their games against another side who is very close to them for winning the western conference or at least a top the towards the top of the table for it with San Diego. It just, it doesn't seem as just well prepared. Yeah. That comment about the goalkeeper getting hurt. I was like, he already had a yellow at halftime and I was like waiting for him to come out and make a poor tackle or a, or a bad play and get a yellow card. And then they would have had to have subbed someone. It would have been eight guys in the outfield and, a, and someone back up keeping um, Tyler yeah, Tate for goalkeeper. Maybe he was out there early training with them. Look, I I do want to get because we do need to move on because there was some big news possibly coming out of El Paso today. Um, but that the collision on Vassal. Watching the replay, the it looked to me that the center back pushed him into the keeper. The keeper really didn't have an option to get out of the way. Vassal didn't have a chance to get out of the way. Alan, as someone who was there in person and maybe has a little bit of skin in the game, what did you think about that? I had to watch it back because uh, that was a tough one to see from my vantage point. Uh, but there was a replay kind of from one of the field-level cameras that shows pretty much that, that, um, that the defender, I don't remember, Wheeler, I think it was Wheeler, was kind of was kind of running him, running Vassell to his left and kind of steering him that way. And so like as a offensive player, like you don't really have anywhere to go. And so that's your pathway. And then the keeper comes out and, and plays the ball um, and gets the guy. Um, I would have had a hard time calling a foul on either player. I think it's just two players going for a 50 50. Um, in fact, I don't even think Kyle Vassell was even trying to play the ball. He was, like, kind of ducking down. That's what ends up, ends up injuring his shoulder uh, where he comes out later in the match uh, after the match. So that's kind of when it happened on that goal. Uh, and then, you know, Toomey throwing it back in there uh, was the smart play. But, I mean, I can understand why Colorado might be upset. They're, I think at that point they were already pretty frustrated uh, and can understand, you know, 
why why their emotions were running high. But I think, you know, the goalie's outside the 18-yard box. It's a 50-50 play. Kyle Vassell's almost kind of giving up on it, and then the goalkeeper runs through him. Um, yeah, I I kind of felt for the Colorado Springs players because they really were trying to play their hardest, uh, and then things just weren't quite going their way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they said um, play the game or forfeit and get a fine, and the team was like, well, we don't want to pay, pay, a, pay a fine, so we're just going to do what we can to play. Um, but, I mean, they, they still had – quite the lineup out there in the first half and you know and until loyal got even till loyal got that third goal there was still that a little bit of all they need is one and they're right back in it and they were certainly trying um but you can tell that they weren't weren't, weren't super happy and now they have guys on two guys on a red card and who knows what's going to happen going forward either i think the thing i took away from at the very end from this match is what would happen if players on yellows couldn't get subbed out? I mean, we saw two players get double yellows in this match. And two of those, I think both of them, if it had not been for, you know, Kyle the sub or Kyle or the sub Tate on the bench and him not being the only one, they would have subbed both of them out seeing that they were down 2-0 at halftime, we're just going to go ahead and sub both these boys out. Don't let them get a red. I feel like if we, if this was a rule that you could only have 12 or even just 11 men, I feel like we'd see even more red cards than we saw at the very beginning, like four weeks of the season. But there is a little bit of news that I kind of want to talk about before we get into the more of the week that was, I know we had a long talk, but I mean, I feel like that was kind of the big news that came out. That was massive yesterday. And that is apparently Richie Ryan, who is a mid order for El Paso is requesting a transfer. And for people who are maybe new to the USL or new to lower league soccer, Richie Ryan, I think, not well, not anymore. Um, with the recent, um, with the recent million dollar move, but until about a month ago, he was still the largest transfer of all time in lower league soccer with a $800,000 move to the Miami FC. And apparently, Richie Ryan wants out. Do we possibly see him returning back to the 305? And where do we think that maybe a guy like him could end up? Colorado Springs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, they're looking for players, I think. Um, I, I think the situation is unfortunate. Like, we, you, we rarely get a look behind the scenes at stuff like this. So this might happen more often than we're really aware of. Um, and this might just be somebody has a contact with somebody who wants to get this out, um, or at least an avenue to get it out, um, which, again, there are some teams that have pretty good, uh, even if they're, um, I want to say semi-pro reporting, but like non-traditional newspaper or non-traditional sports coverage um, that are, are good, that might be able to dig something like this up or build that trust with the team. But there's plenty of teams that, don't really have that type of coverage even at you know the fan level that 
these things could probably happen quite a bit where players want out and then they're getting cut uh, cut back. But I like that the USL Players Association is getting involved. I'm really happy to see that. Um, and I think that's also um, a, a new wrinkle that hadn't been in existence the past, you know, sort of the past couple of years where now you have a players association that could really be vocal about a, a treatment of a player. Yeah, and like with any of these transfer sagas, you just want to have like the best outcome for all parties involved. And if uh, Ryan doesn't want to still play for El Paso, he would uh, he's entitled to at least try and find another avenue for an exit. This is someone's career we're talking about, and hopefully we can just uh, find a a good solution for everyone uh, and for the team and player. I mean. It's just really, really wild to me that, I mean, obviously all we can do is speculate what could have happened, what couldn't have happened, whatever. And there's a good chance that this transfer request, if it did happen, happened well before their 4-0 loss to Oakland. But the fact that it's coming out now, right now, this just... I don't know. It, it it feels like weird timing all around because on one hand, it makes Richie look bad because it looks like he's quitting. But also, if you look at it, because this is a business, you got to wonder where this is coming from, right? It's all about management control. This doesn't make sense for El Paso either. If they're the ones that leaked this and they're like, hey, he did this, Saying that a player wants out after a 4-0 thrashing, you're not going to get the highest transfer there because it's like, well, your guy is desperate to get out and he's not going to play well for you. You might as well sell him for pennies. The timing of this request and the timing of this coming out feels bizarre all around for all parties. We are still within the... I guess, international transfer window if he's looking for another move outside of the United States. But I know that might be a, a bit difficult to facilitate if it's this late in the window. He's from Ireland, right? Yeah. So maybe this is just simply, I want to go home. We can get you money. We can get me money. Let's just do the dang thing. Because Richie's an incredible player. I mean, just terminating contract maybe it, this that just isn't the right move. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's all it is. It's just that we want to get this news out ASAP. Let's go ahead, force a, force a move. I want to go home. I don't know. That's all speculation, though, but that's really the only thing that makes sense considering the timing. But moving on into the next part of the show that we normally do, you know, shockers and whatnot. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and give my shocker that 4-0 win by Oakland. Just every time I kept getting a notification of, you know, goal, 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 goal. And John, uh, USL Tactics, we posted on our Twitter, did a wonderful breakdown of that win by Oakland. That shocked me entirely. Yeah, this is the kind of the win that Oakland was looking for for a while, right? They've been getting these exciting end-of-the-game draws, and those things aren't going to – put you into the playoffs. Now they're a little bit behind the eight ball as far as points are concerned with, you know, playing 22 games so far, which is the most in the West uh, by a game. And some other teams have three, four games in hand on them, but this is the type of momentum building that Oakland 
kind of went on at the end of last year, right? They're, you know, they're well past the midway point. Um, and so I, I, this might be one of those, one of those wins we look back and say, Hey, this is when Oakland started to make that last playoff push. And it's going to be tough. Uh, Cause if there was eight teams, then I can see them maybe sneaking into that eight spot. Uh, but with only seven, you know, it's going to be one of the low-dose Las Vegas, and now Oakland is is making a case uh, to be a team in the conversation for that seventh and final playoff spot. Yeah, I have to imagine that the Western Conference, even at, after this uh, loss from El Paso, that, that they would should still be a playoff team. They're currently five points clear of Las Vegas in fifth. I want to say that top five is pretty much, maybe not set in the order, but those are the five teams going but Oakland can make it interesting I mean they still have a positive goal differential of the four teams that we had named from Los Dos, Sacramento and Las Vegas it's the highest one of that for what they do need to start doing is turning some of those draws into uh into wins because they are currently the only team right now with double digit draws and that's more than uh the next highest teams have seven and they're currently on ten I mean, you kind of mentioned them, and I guess I I might as well toot the horn a little bit. I mean, Sacramento uh, losing that undefeated streak at home. Even I was shocked by that. I mean, I was kind of torn between Roots and Legion winning there, um, which, I mean, I do want to go ahead and correct it here on a bigger stage, I suppose. I said that he was off. Juan uh, Aguidal was off. Apparently was not off. Um I will say some of those replay angles in Sacramento are a little subpar. Um, you would, I would think for what it is, it would be a little bit better, but it really felt like there was just one hard angle and you really didn't get to see much else. But um, Legion go in there and perform a really good defensive game plan. They shut down uh, Sacramento, who was pretty much full strength, and it was an impressive win. I know a lot of Sacramento fans were a little bit worried, but even then I thought it was still a decent showing from Sacramento. They just didn't have that last moment magic like they did against Oakland. They won the XG against them. Counts for something, I guess. (laughs) I mean, Legion only had one shot on goal and it went in. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you need. Uh, I think my biggest shock was me locking Louisville and then pulling it out and winning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was like oh we're in trouble and then i checked back in later and i was like i'm not the usl curse i'm not the usl curse what uh who did i lock by the you way you had locked hartford and hartford. uh we all uh picked hartford to win that one with charleston winning 3-1 i was gonna say my big shock and we had mentioned it at the uh, top of the show uh but um obviously it has to be that 5-5 draw and uh, oh my one. God. I mean for starters you had triumph throwing away a four nil lead they were up five to two at the end of the first half and then to see and Tormenta sure. come back and to basically get the draw here it basically it was incredible I mean we all picked Greenville to win that one Geo even locked Greenville winning that one and I checked uh, going back for all. So this was the highest scoring game in USL one history. It, we've never had a five to five game for a scoreline in the USL championship. We have had a few 11 goal games. And the last time we had a five to five goal or scoreline in MLS was 2004 between 
uh, the San Jose earthquakes and Metro stars? It was, <laughs> it was an incredible match to watch. I watched all 90 minutes and listen, we talk a lot and I, this is still kind of a, in my interpersonal inner canon, the the second half to Las Vegas versus El Paso is one of those matches I think about a lot. All 90 minutes of this Greenville versus a Tormenta match was that. If you're looking for just dumb entertainment, just go back and watch it. It is just as good knowing the, the final scoreline. Okay, I'm sorry, Alan's dog. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to offend. Um, apparently, Alan's dog is not a fan of Bolt. Um, <laughs> but somehow, knowing the final result, sorry, Geo, makes the match more entertaining because you see goal, 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 and it's like, oh, Greenville, baby, like you are really, you're really doing it to him. And you see 4-0, and knowing the final result, you're just kind of like, <laughs> I know what's coming. It's like knowing the train wreck is about to happen, and you are just ma- just a masochist and enjoying watching it happen. Yeah, all of Greenville's goals come in the first half, which is wild. Did the fifth one come in the first half, too? I don't remember. Yeah. I thought it happened at the beginning of the second. This I thought is- I came- 45, three minutes in the stoppage time. I mean, you would think any game, if you score five in the first half, you've won. Ridiculous. It was a ridiculous match. I, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we had somehow managed to record on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays, wow, would this have been a show? That would have, I, USL, I have not seen USL Twitter that on fire just universally in a while. I mean, whenever the El Paso versus Las Vegas was happening, it was like, hey, turn in right now. Turn into the game right now. I know it was nil-nil, but it's going crazy. But I think what helps with both of these games is that they occurred midweek. Like, if this game had occurred, say, the typical 7.30 start on a Saturday, it would... It would still get a lot of attention, but it may get lost from just people paying attention to other games, attending their own games. But the fact that we have these games on uh, just it, the national stage of being like the lone USL game at the time, it made it that much more entertaining. No kidding. And then, I mean, that was on top of that, that was um, there was W League stuff happening that day, too. And so there was that entertainment. And then the championship just kind of rolled out one of the most boring midweek matches I have ever seen. If you just want pure chaos, League 2, W League, and League 1 are everything that you've ever wanted. If you just want pure entertainment, go for it. The championship sometimes relative to League 1 and other ones is just, it's like, wow. This is like truly the top of the top will always beat the bottom of the bottom unless it's Monterey at Louisville, then it doesn't count. Like this is, it's wild. Or Monterey drawing Detroit. Uh, That was, speaking of boring matches, I went back and watched that one. That one was bad. That was a hard one to watch. 
neither team looked like they wanted to win. That was a tough watch for me. I mean, I will say, though, this still stands by my comments that Nate Steinwasher was not included in the mid-season MVPs, and I think that he has been the MVP of the league. I, I don't think there is a single – it depends on what you consider. Is it most valuable player or is it best player? I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable debate. To me, there is no player more valuable to their club than Nate, than Nate Steinwasher. I don't think it's close. I think what makes it difficult is Detroit is slowly kind of falling into those away away playoff teams, and then they're going to be right around Miami, Tulsa, Indy 11, teams that are not really sparking joy, if you will. Um, so it's not be- Indy right now. <laughs> It would be it would be difficult to say. I think if if Detroit City ends up in a in a home playoff game, then I would entertain him being in that question. I think the further Detroit City goes down, yes, he's played really really well, um, but I think that there's some players playing on better teams with other people around them, uh, and they're the ones like being the shining stars. Um, but yes, you're right. I'd like to see not just, Hey, you scored goals, you're MVP. It's like, cool. Um, but I think he's, I think he should be in the conversation. I think the reason he's not is Detroit city is, is the, the, the shine is off of them a little bit. Uh, I know they had a, a pretty big injury. Um, and I think that there's, there's, there's some question marks after that injury for Detroit city. How, how much can they hold on? Uh, and then how good is it the back line been doing well? Is it really the keeper? Is it a combination of the both? And I think we're going to get a, a decent look at uh, just how good he is in, in between the sticks. Yeah, if you're looking back at uh, Detroit City's last eight games, they have three shutouts, but have only scored five goals in that time. That's the thing, though, is that – and this has been the kind of thing all year long is that their defense is good. They have a good defense. I don't think they have an elite defense, but they have a good defense that's occasionally leaky. And he stops a lot of one-on-ones. I, I know that uh, John does his goals above replacement and look at Major League Baseball. They have war wins above replacement. In my personal opinion, Nate Steinwasher is the – difference between them sitting tied for third tied for fourth whatever you want to call it and them being on the fringe of a playoff team he is single-handedly worth to me three positions in the table i don't know about the other players i mean tainer robert brings up tainer who's been incredible but if you bring tainer if you pull tainer off the pitch for san antonio I still think they're a top three team in the league. He's been amazing, but if you pull him off the pitch, I still think that they're sitting a top two team in the West. If you pull Nate Steinwasher off the pitch, I think that Detroit City is looking at being somewhere in like seven or eight. They're on the outside looking in. And John brings up he's third in saves and four in clean sheets. 
I think that's a fair assessment, but if you look at sometimes the amount of pressure he puts on attackers as well in one-on-ones, his positioning alone throws off shots a lot. He has great positioning that forces players to just shoot off target because they just don't have anywhere else to shoot. I think that's one of the pluses with him. I th- you also don't see him that high in clean, sh- clean sheets just because, like like I said, the back line can be leaky and there's only so long someone can stand on their head. But that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, I'm just an idiot with a microphone, so what do I know? <laughs> with uh, Detroit, though, uh, we've mentioned how important it is to keep st- that Soundwatchers kept them in games. If you're looking, there are only four teams in the league this year, Tampa Bay, Louisville, San Antonio, and Detroit's upcoming opponents this week in New Mexico, who has lost fewer games than them. Detroit has only lost four, and you've had the, those others on three. The fact that they've been able to turn a lot of these outcomes in games into results, whether that's a draw or a win, has been very important to keeping them in the playoff picture. As you had mentioned, they're currently tied for fourth uh, with Pittsburgh. With Legion slowly sneaking back there with a goal in hand, if they win that, they find themselves in a home playoff game. So that's super exciting. Um, but unless anybody else has anything they want to add to the playoff conversation and or the not playoff, but the MVP conversation, because that's a really fun one to have right now. Um, do any of y'all have any like midseason award conversations that you want to bring up? Cool. All right. So let's go ahead and look at our, you know, predictions for the week. Um, obviously not everybody is here, but that is what it is. Oh, actually, before we completely move on, I feel like we do need to talk about Memphis versus Louisville city before we completely move on. What an absolute bonkers match. (laughs) Um, Muse gets a red card at the end that he didn't deserve. He got hit in the shoulder with the ball, got hit with the red card. It was already a bit late. It didn't really matter at that point. Uh, Both teams get a player sent off off a really weak yellow card, an incredibly weak second yellow. Uh, Brian Owenby decides to go full gangbusters. That was a nuts match to watch. Yeah, and it just more cements Louisville's spot atop of the Eastern Conference as a team that I know we really haven't discussed Louisville that much on the show this year. It's always been more centered around discussions of Tampa Bay and Memphis, but uh, Louisville's just quietly got the job done. There are five wins in their last five, and uh, could be still a decent pick to win the Shield this year over San Antonio. Yeah, they're... I think Trey Muse was doing his best Kyle uh, Kyle Adams impersonation. Um, it, it's, I mean, Ryan mentioned five of the last five. It's six of the last seven. The only loss in that is against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, that 1-0 game. Um, I, I think maybe the reason people don't talk about Lou City is it's Lou City, and there are, they are always hanging around and, and doing the thing, and Usually this part of the season, I think maybe they're like, you know, where Pittsburgh are, and then they kind of make a run toward the end. Um, but they're definitely making that East kind of a three, 
horse race between Memphis, Tampa Bay, and Lucy City. And I mean, and it's not surprising. So I think that's why it's it's um, they don't get a lot of attention on the show. I mean, Tampa Bay started out pretty rough and really turned the season around, uh, but Lucy City has always been pretty consistent. Um, I think the same thing with San Antonio. I don't think. You know, San Antonio gets a lot of uh, attention because they're just kind of quietly going about their business. Uh, they, it's not necessarily super flashy unless they're playing Atlanta United too. Uh, but they're a really quality team. You know, they proved it last year in the playoffs as, as well. Um, and probably, um, you know, depending on that San Antonio-Orange County match, you know, San Antonio could have done to or- you know what Orange County did. And, you know, so I think... I think the teams that kind of quietly go about their business aren't super flashy, don't have some roller coaster moments, um, are are not going to get as much attention because it's not really a sexy conversation. And to think with uh, Louisville's three losses they had this year, that happened over a four-game span of May and June. I mean, they lost to Los Dos and Monterey Bay in consecutive weeks, got a two, a four-one win against Tulsa, and then lost to Tampa Bay and at the start of June. Yeah, so, I mean, with all that, I mean, we might as well go ahead and preview a little bit as well. And we have our picks of the week. And we're going to start off with the USL Extravaganza Showcase, not the All-Star Game. Should have been the All-Star Game. I'm not bitter about it. Bourbon exists, and that's when we're here. Uh, Loose City versus Phoenix, which if this match had happened in March, we'd probably be a lot more excited for it. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is one of those games that uh, you have to imagine the league is probably uh, a little bit more disappointed in how poorly Phoenix has been this season, that this was supposed to be like a hyped up, like the two titans of the league going up against each other. But now you're running into a Phoenix team who's winless in their last five, has a really just poor goal differential at negative 10. You only have Monterey Bay is worse than them in the Western Conference. Uh, Louisville has just been cruising as we've recently discussed. So I'm actually locking Louisville to win this game. Yeah, I I think you got to go with Lou. Um, they're playing at home. It's a it's a big match. Um, Louisville's also picking them to win. If you didn't see on Twitter, uh, they announced that there's like a winning toast after the match already scheduled. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in Louisville's confidence, and I'm going to pick them. They do that every week. So this wasn't a specific slide at Phoenix, but also it probably does have a little bit of extra, you know, little poke to it. But I wonder, again, this is all just me kind of speculating with the recent news of that radio show recently or the news uh, article or whatever that says that Shantz's job is safe until the end of the year officially, I wonder what that does to the clubhouse. Because you could tell on the pitch they were not trying that hard, knowing for sure, confirmed by the owner, confirmed by the GM, that he's going to be around for the full year. Are we going to see a revitalized Phoenix? Or are we going to see a completely destroyed and shell of a club? You may also look at it as 
uh, like the past few months, we've spoken on this show that it was a lot of speculation on is Sean's going to get fired mid-season? Is there going to be someone who comes in and replaces it? That maybe at this point they just say, okay, we're done with the speculation. This is the decision we're going to make. And that's there's not going to be any change to it. That's a way to just kind of more motivate the players. Uh, there's no more distractions. He's here until the end of the season. Just keep trying to play your own game and we'll either try and get out of it or right off the season. I mean, uh, it's unlikely, but there's still only seven points behind Sacramento. If you can pick up a win uh, here against a Louisville team, it could be something that helps turns around the season. Yeah, this is one I picked Louisville for considering the festivities, considering how big of a deal they're making it. This is probably going to be a very high selling match. And considering <laughs> Phoenix's road uh, road uh, stats and road form, it's not great. And they're going into one of the more hostile environments in the USL. So this one feels like a, a nice little loose city win. It's going to be interesting to see if this one goes off the rails or not. Next up, we have... A really interesting one if you want to look off the if you want to look off the pitch. We have a battle of two clubs that have really built around their community, two of the more uh community-oriented clubs in the USL, and that is Detroit City versus New Mexico United. Detroit City has to be uh happy that they're finally returning home after a two-match uh road stand against uh Indy 11 and then the trip cross country to Monterey Bay. Uh just like looking through the past um yeah, just the past seven games, there's only been three home games in that time. And or this will be their third home game in seven games. And uh they have to go all the way back to May 21st to find the last time they won a game at home. I think they're going to be happy to be there, but they're going up against a New Mexico team who's unbeaten in their last five that I think it's going to be a very tough game. And I'm going to back this one to be a draw, kind of reminiscent of that uh, 1-1 match they had against El Paso back in June. And New Mexico is kind of sneaky good on the road um, as far as kind of their record is concerned. Uh I probably should have gone with a draw here, knowing New Mexico's uh, record of getting draws and or winning on the road. Uh, but I do think Detroit City has a lot to prove, um, and I'm going to lean toward them uh, in this one. With the recent uh, backline injury with Amu, um, I think I pronounced that right. If I didn't, please don't scream at me, Detroit City fans. I'm a dumb redneck who doesn't know how to pronounce things. Um, I trust New Mexico's offense more than Detroit City's backline right now. I mean, obviously, this is not a game of names, but when you look at the names, I trust one a little bit more. Um, this is going to be a very interesting match to watch, depending on basically how both teams come out. Is Hopeno going to be, you know, busting up and just like, and just really breaking on the counterattack? We've seen New Mexico susceptible to that. Is New Mexico going to come out overly defensive like they get a, did against Tulsa? Maybe. 
But this also feels like maybe not the match to do that. Will they try to go for a draw? I don't know. My heart of hearts told me that this was going to be a draw, but I also refuse to pick draws. I have made that a personal rule of mine, and so I'm hedging New Mexico to win, so I went with a New Mexico win according to our spreadsheet, but my heart just feels a draw on this one. Anyway, going up next, we have, after last week, this is an interesting matchup now with El Paso versus San Antonio. San Antonio, who is still high rolling, beat a Atlanta United 2 team who I said had a really good offense, and then San Antonio decided to say, screw you, Kaylor, you're an idiot with a microphone. And El Paso, I went out and said, they're a great team. Then they, then they, uh, Oakland came out and said, shut up, Kaylor, you're an idiot with a microphone, and just proceeded to beat El Paso 4-0. So... Or which El Paso team are we going to see? Are we going to see the same San Antonio team? This one's an interesting one. I think we're going to see the San Antonio team that has just been absolutely dominant away from home this year. There are eight wins here, and it's just been a very strong team that they have. And if you're coming off the back of an El Paso 4-0 loss they had last time out, it's been very up and down. They had a 1-0 win over Colorado Springs, but then you have prior to that a 2-2 draw against your aforementioned uh, great offense, Atlanta United 2. I think this San Antonio just keeps the uh, good streak going, and they pick up a win here. Sorry, Robert. I just think San Antonio is is playing really well right now, and um, I I need to make up ground, I think. I'm not even sure where I am anymore. Um, but I, I think San Antonio is just a, is, is a quality franchise this season. Uh, they score some goals. They don't let goals in. I think 14 goals allowed in 18 games. Uh, I, I just think they're going to be a little bit too strong for El Paso. Uh, so I'm going to pick San Antonio to get this one. So this one for me, I do feel like El Paso rebounds, but I feel like if it was a team, any other team besides San Antonio, you would see results from it. But I think San Antonio is just way too good. Even a rebound for El Paso is not going to be good enough to get uh, three points here or even a point. I'm going with San Antonio. And sorry, Robert, but this is my lock of the week coming out of top ropes. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see any way San Antonio loses this. Next up, though, we're talking about the best teams of the best, and we're all fighting for hardware. Is it going to be San Antonio? Uh, <laughs> is it going to be San Antonio coming in to get the shield? Is it going to be Lou City? Or are we going to see another team come out of nowhere? But we have a very important match for Silverware. I'm sure you guys did not know that there was an award on the line that's coming up weekend. I guess it's not even silverware. We have woodenware on the line, the battle for the wooden spoon. Whoever wins is pretty much eliminated. It is Monterey Bay versus the baby bulls of New York. I mean, I, I would say Monterey Bay is pretty safe from not, winning the wooden spoon this year. You're looking at a New York Red Bulls two team. He's on nine points and Monterey Bay is up on 17. <laughs> There's still a chance that Monterey Bay doesn't even finish bottom of the Western conference. You have orange County sitting two spots in front of them on, or sorry, two points in front of them. If you're looking for 
like a wooden spoon. We'll have uh, two more meetings between New York Red Bulls and Charleston throughout the year. But all of this is uh, more of a roundabout way to say that uh, Monterey Bay, you're going to win it this this week. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. And if Monterey if if Monterey actually ends up winning, like I think that they will. Uh, they would only be a point behind Indy 11 on the same number of games played. Um, so they would be fighting for ninth place in the East, uh, and they're at the bottom of the West. Um, so I, I think this, especially this being in Monterey, uh, I there's a lot going for them. Uh, I think that they end up winning this one. Look. This is going to be an emotional one. This is going to be Dallas Jays, the first ever number one for Monterey and an absolute legend for FC Cincy and Greenville Triumph. And Phoenix? Was he at Phoenix for a while? I don't remember. Um, You know, this is going to be his last ever match. He is going off and retiring the goalkeeper for Monterey Bay. And you just mentioned Indy 11. This is a team that New York Red Bulls, too, just beat. They have one nil win over the currently well on fire, well engulfed in flames, about to burn into ashes in the 11, both on and off the pitch. Please don't unfollow us on Twitter. Thanks. Um, yeah, I went with Monterey Bay. I almost made this a lock. Baby Bulls are bad, but Monterey Bay is still not great. This one's going to be a must-watch for me for all the wrong reasons, and I'm very excited about it. But this one, I went with Monterey Bay. Next up, because I lost my place, it is going to be Loyal versus Rio Grande Valley. Even if you take away the uh, 5-0 loss to Los Dos um, a few weeks ago, Loyal has still been playing pretty decent high-scoring uh, soccer. You have, like... Three goal. You've had multiple goals scored, and I believe outside of that Los Dos game and four of their last five, it's been a very decent team. And I will pick them to win against RGV this week. An RGV team who's winless in their last four. Yeah, I think again, if this was RG, in RGV, I think this would be a much different game. I think San Diego plays really, really well at home, um, and you know. Uh, there's a couple of those hiccups, uh, one after a red card and one against, you know, one of the best teams in the East. Uh, but Loyal just doesn't perform poorly at home uh, very often. And so I think they kind of build on their success from this past week um, and they beat RGV. And I'm also saying that because I know people pay attention to what I pick on this. Um, so shout out to AV. The question is, is will Preston Judd be able to carry the weight of Kyler, the sub, Tate? And the answer is no. He will not. This one's a loyal win, despite Judd's best efforts. Um, yeah, loyal are just <laughs> good. They're just so good. Um, oh, wait. I, this is not Los Dos. My bad. Um, Rio Grande. Well, Preston Judd won't be there either, so screw off, Preston. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a loyal win. Don't, okay, so full transparency. In my notes that I have pulled up right now, before the Legion-Tulsa match, I had originally had it being the Los Dos match, 
and I just never erased that. So that's where my eyes went. Um, but yeah, Rio Grande, I think this is going to be a chippy one, but this is a home match. So the voodoo magic doesn't happen. So I consider this to be a loyal win, but I kind of tease it a little bit. It is going to be Legion versus Tulsa. Um, Ryan, you had mentioned Detroit City being happy to be back at home. Legion in their not out of their last nine matches, they have only had one home game, including what was it five straight away matches? Um, the last Saturday home match Legion have had came on April second. So this is the first time that the Legion have played on a weekend at home since the beginning of April. So this one should be an interesting one. Shut up, Robert. You're probably right. <laughs> I mean, you did at least get a USFL championship for the Birmingham Stallions out of the deal. That happened in Canton, Ohio. We didn't even get a chance to see it. It was a waste of money. Canton, I stadium for fun though. <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking at a Legion team who over their next six games, five of them are at home, and you're looking and basically in three of those games, four of those games are against teams below them in the table, and we can definitely see an opportunity for Legion to just really move up the table here with results. You'd mentioned earlier in the show when this weekend with results elsewhere I could see them occupy a top four spot in the Eastern Conference. And Tulsa just still without a road victory this year. I think Birmingham get a win here. Brewer agrees. Uh, Tulsa has a whopping two points in road games. In 10 road games, two points, eight goals scored, 24 allowed. Uh, Tulsa just does not play well on the road. Uh, Birmingham's home record, I think, is maybe a little bit deceiving. Uh, they started out a little bit rocky. Uh, and that's where a lot that's where all the home games were when they were kind of figuring it out. And so I think um, they start to turn around their home form in this one as well. And I just don't think Tulsa is very good on the road. Uh, so I, I, I am I am locking the Legion this week. You're welcome, Kaler. OK, um, I will say if you look back to the Tulsa 3-1 win and this is fully me making excuses, right? I totally get that. The last goal did come from basically halfway because Matt Van Okel was in the other box trying to get back a goal. So I still consider that to be a 2-1 win for Tulsa. But even then, if you look at that roster compared to this one, it is almost unrecognizable between injuries and trades. Um, the one thing I think is probably guaranteed, J.J. Williams is probably going to get his goal on his return to Birmingham, his first return to Alabama, his home state. So he's probably going to score. And if it's in front of the supporter section, I'm sure they will hear about it. But I do think that Legion are figuring it out offensively. I think that they are figuring it out on defense. They're, I think, an elite defense, but I'm biased. Um I think this is going to end up being a 2-1 win for the three Sparks. But after that, we have one more Phoenix match to talk about. And this one's a big rivalry um, between Sacramento and Phoenix. I think a lot of this match depends on what happens tomorrow, uh, how Phoenix comes out. But rivalry match, you never know. Anything can happen. 
And I think that's something at least uh, Phoenix can at least kind of play up to. It's a weird uh, just how they've been at home this year. They do not have a win at home since May 7th when they got a 3-0 victory over the current league leaders in San Antonio right now. But uh, it, they need to have a good showing. This is something that uh, like this week needs to be a turnaround week for Phoenix. They need to get a result out of one of these two games. And even if you're looking on the other side with Sacramento of a team who's now winless in their last uh, three after a 3-0 loss to Colorado Springs, that 3-3 draw against Oakland, and then your aforementioned win for Birmingham. I think both of these teams need to get a result out of this. And when it's something like that happens, I think that's just everything pointing towards a frustrating draw, which is what I'm going to pick. Ooh, I should have picked something different. Uh, I think the other thing looming large over this match is the Open Cup game four days later. Uh, and I would assume Sacramento is probably going to prioritize that one, which means um, I probably should have picked like a draw. Um, but um, I, have to, I picked Sacramento, and um, I guess I'm going to stick with that. I also picked Sacramento. I think just the state of Phoenix right now that even if Sacramento rotated the team, that it won't make a difference. And that's not what anybody would have said about Phoenix preseason. It's insane where they are right now. Um I took Sacramento. I really believe in what they did. I really enjoy watching their system. It's very fun to watch. So that one should that one should be interesting off or just whenever you're looking on the pitch to look for some feisty, feisty plays. Uh, expect a yellow card or a red or two. But let's move into what I believe is the match of the week. It is the Battle of the Belt. It is Tuesday or whatever his name is, who whatever versus Geo. It is going to be the hair battles, the whatever battles. Apparently, Omaha is theoretically wearing corn as a kit, but apparently not read the fine print, kids. It is Omaha versus Greenville in upstate. And for as chaotic as we've seen USO 1 be this year, the one constant has been, well, Greenville has just been very good in this season there are 31 points atop the table and it's like a clear top of the table right now i mean even after the kind of just chaotic games they've had over the past uh week with south georgia and richmond you still have to go all the way back to who april 23rd to find the last time that they lost a game at home i think for that reason greenfield still continues to cruise at home and gets a win yeah, Greenville in eight games played a six wins, zero draws, two losses for 18 points. Uh, only six game, goals allowed in those eight games. Um, Omaha has been pretty decent on the road, uh, so not, like, terrible. Uh, but I think right now the, the, the role that, that Greenville's been, been on, um, unless you are a pattern person, you might pick this a draw because it's been win, draw, win, draw, win. Um, although Union Omaha has been lost when draw, draw, win. So they're both on pretty good run of form lately, but I went with uh, Greenville on this one. You know, you talk about this being Greenville being good. If you look at, I think uh, Chip Chip the Ripper put it on Twitter, uh, Ch- not the rapper, the uh, 
the U.S. or the USL League One guy from Walking 90, a Union Omaha fan. This is a battle between first and second on points per game. Greenville in first, Union Omaha in second on points per game. These are maybe debatably the two best teams in the USL right now, and they're going to battle it out. I expect Legacy to be an absolute madhouse, and I think that Greenville comes away and firmly cements themselves as the class of League One yet again. And also, uh, Ryan just put in our private chat, in the ELO ratings, also these are the one and two teams. So there you have it. I mean, can't argue with math, kids. Um, Next up, we have the sad boys of Chattanooga taking on the pinball wizards of Northern Colorado. After what it has basically been uh, their last uh, four of their last five games at home, Northern Colorado takes another road trip and I still, their road form has just not really been all that convincing this year. You have to go all the way back to May 18th to find the last game that they won away from home. But there are just like a few results that you see this year that Chattanooga has just like an odd match every so often. I mean, they've lost to FC Tucson at home. They've got an, uh, then they turn around and get a 7-1 win against Charlotte. They only <laughs> lose against FC Tucson again at home. I'm going to take Chattanooga to win this one, but this is one that I just I could see any result happening here. Yeah, that was kind of where I was, but I think if anything, like home team, if they're pretty good, is going to have a distinct advantage over road team. Um, and so I am picking the home team in this one in the Chattanooga. These are two teams that are tied on points. The only thing separating uh, a playoff spot and not a playoff spot right now is goal difference alone. In Northern Colorado goes into Chattanooga, Tennessee. They find themselves sitting in the last playoff spot. I know it's early. We're only halfway through the season, but that does a lot for the psyche. I went with the hailstorm here of Northern Colorado. Chattanooga, despite getting a 2-1 win over North Carolina, it was, I mean, it was an early pin, and it was a late first-half goal that gave them a 2-0 lead, and then North Carolina pulled one back and just never was really convincing. I think Northern Colorado is better than North Carolina. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. I think this, or I think this is going to be one of those uh, matches for the hailstorm that they were able to pull one out and find themselves in the playoff spot in that final win for the League One. And finally, uh, we are going to look at Fuego versus the Richmond Kickers. Fuego just—I uh, know we a lot of us had like really high hopes for them this season but still they just have the one win at home this year and despite being tied on points with chattanooga northern colorado you need to start picking up more home victories if you want to find yourselves in the playoffs uh richmond's we've already had discussed that their away form has uh, little to be desired but uh i don't know i feel like it's going to be a really interesting game the last time we saw richmond take a trip out west it was the one no win over tucson so i think it'll be close um going to take a draw in this one but 
I don't know. I could see Richmond pulling out another victory like they did against uh, Tucson. Yeah, so this one's fun to look at. Richmond kickers are a pretty good home team, like a pretty darn good home team. Fuego are a pretty good away team. So I think if this was a reverse fixture, it would be a, a pretty decent matchup. But on the flip side, Richmond kickers have been particularly not great on the road, and no. Fuego has been particularly not great at home. So this is like the uh, someone's someone's going to have to budge on this one. Uh, wow. I was going to pick draw because of that, but um, again, I am going to go with the fact that this is uh, in California, and so I have to pick. Um, uh, yeah, I have to pick Fuego. I I know that Fuego's home record has not been great, and I still stand by that Richmond is going to be in our title contenders. They are one of the top three teams. When I said debatably the top two teams uh, for Omaha and Greenville, I think you can easily debate that Richmond is sitting in that second spot above Union Omaha right now. Um, that said, their away record is bad, bad. They don't just lose away. They lose bad away. Um, for that, I am taking the Fuego. The Fuego. El Fuego. This The language, English language is weird when you decide to put random Spanish into it. Um, and I, this one's one that sprung on you guys last second. Um, I, I totally forgot that it was this week. I had it in my calendars next week. We have the USLW League final. And it is going to be between Aurora versus Tormenta. Tormento. Tormento, Tormenta riding a magical run right now. Um, you know, they're holding up a pain's number uh, before every match, which has been heartbreaking, but also like really cool to see. And Aurora, who is a community owned club, community ran club, who are just continuing to go out and win and have incredible atmospheres. Two of the best stories in the USL right now, and they're meeting in the final. Who do we have? I have to go with Minnesota here. Just having hosting the final we've seen in USL has been incredibly important. That it's really tough to go on the road, and especially into a packed environment like Aurora is going to have. And I'm going to back Minnesota to win. Uh, I just like their kit, so I'm going with Aurora. I think those kits deserve to win. I'm a softy. I'm I'm admittedly a very emotional person. Um, it's so hard for me not to pick Tormenta here. Um, their dominant win over Greenville, who I thought Greenville had a very, very real chance of being title winners this year, and they smashed them. We've seen Aurora do that to teams before, but not in the playoffs, not against a team like Liberty. I think Tormenta comes in hot. They have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, and they have a little bit of help from out, from the outside. And uh, I'm going to continue to run the hot hand, and I'm going to go with Tormenta here. But, yeah, I mean, this is, this is an exciting one. If you have time, you need to watch this final. 
Um, even if it's on demand, it's bound to be an absolute banger. If you did not watch the Indy 11 versus Aurora match, the first goal for Aurora to tie the match, you could argue that might be an all-around USL goal of the year, considering just how perfectly it curled and just what a beautiful goal it was. But this one should be an absolute fun one. But we have gone really, really long today. So unless you guys have some parting USL thoughts, let's go ahead and close out the show. Ryan, what are some final thoughts you guys you have for the people at home? The movie RRR on Netflix is one hell of a watch. It's a very long three-hour film, but it has a lot of action, and it's just a lot of fun and really entertaining. So I recommend the watch of it. Uh, my music represent- recommendation is Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. The first, my hot take, the first movement's better than the second movement. That first movement is... My hot take is, it's his best symphony. Mm, Beethoven 8's good. That This is not... It's hard for me. Uh, no, actually, I love Beethoven 3. I love Beethoven 3. Yeah, but he ripped off Mozart for the opening melody, so that gets thrown out. Beethoven 7. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't argue with that. It's a good one. First, I think it's the first piece that uh, featured three horns, which is cool and innovative and quirky. Um, ooh. Um, my music recommendation. Um I'm teaching a band camp right now, and they're doing West Side Story. And so, listen... America by West uh, by Leonard Bernstein has been easily stuck in my head all day long. It's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Different different uh, vibes. If you want to just have a fun listen, it's it's a good one. Um, Alan's not happy with me. Every marching band in like the late nineties, early two thousands did West Side Story. And everybody's doing wicked now. It's everything has people find the one musical they like. They just haven't figured out how to put Hamilton to a halftime show yet. Give it about 10 years and you're going to have a lot of it. What's fun about America is uh, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics. Really? Yep. Huh. Interesting. Um, Last little bit of, I guess, just me things. Uh, not a musical recommendation. I tend to always do this. I, I feel like, I feel like whenever we're having this podcast, nine p.m. is whenever it just kind of hits those hours for me. But I guess on a real note, go out, take care of yourselves. You know, treat treat yourself to what you need. Um, I've been having to just kind of deal with uh, different anxiety stuff and just kind of like just mental health stuff that's been putting me into a weird place. So, you know, it's something that I had to take some time away and just like really figure myself out. And it's okay to take some time for yourself and figure yourself out and figure out what you need. If you feel burnout and you feel like you need to talk to somebody, go to talk to somebody. It's worth it. I promise your mental health is more important than really just about anything else. So take care of yourself, people. But unless anybody has anything else, that's it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. For all the people who are listening to podcast form, thank you so much, everybody who made the live chat a ton of fun. 
Um, specifically, thank you to Tyler the Sub uh, Tape for existing. Thank you so much. And for the last time tonight, y'all, let's listen to Alan's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.